This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Ariana Cordova. And I am Luis Arredondo. Generation Justice broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. In September of this year, a historical march took place in New York, calling to end the use of fossil fuels. Tonight, we are joined by Jonathan Juarez from Youth United for Climate Crisis Action, or YACA, who tells us about the experience of that march, the outcomes, and how to get involved in protecting the environment. We learn about Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC, located at the University of New Mexico. Leslie McKinney, Director of Counseling Services, and Benjamin Ferguson, the Student Wellness Supervisor, share about the resources available to UNM students and beyond. That's not all. We share COVID-19 and vaccination updates to help you better protect yourself, your loved ones, and your community during this time. We also want to uplift community events happening this week. Don't miss our weekly calendar. On September 17, 2023, Youth United for Climate Crisis Action, or YUCCA, joined about 75,000 others in New York City for a march to end the use of fossil fuels. Together, those in attendance demanded President Biden put an end to the expansion of fossil fuels to ensure that we have clean air, water, and healthier and safer communities. Jonathan Juarez is the media justice organizer for YUCCA. He shares YUCCA's demands his experience in the historical march, and the impact of climate change on our communities. Here is Generation Justice's Gianna Ramirez speaking with Jonathan Juarez. This is Gianna Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I am speaking with Jonathan Juarez, Media Justice Organizer with Youth United for Climate Crisis Action, also known as YACA. Jonathan, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, I've been a GJ member for a long time now, and it's always great to be back. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. We're honored to have you on the show today. Um, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Juarez. I'm from the pueblos of Laguna and Isleta, but due to, you know, the impacts of uranium mining and, and environmental racism, my family was actually relocated to Albuquerque um, back in like the 50s and 60s. That's, you know, I come from Albuquerque, but that's my tribal affiliation. Um, and yeah, I'm currently the media justice organizer for Yucca, which is Youth United for Climate Crisis Action. And, you know, we really, our entire mission is to hold New Mexico and, you know, our broader federal public officials accountable um, to the commitments that they've made for young people when it comes to climate. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that background. Tell us a little bit more about Yucca and your mission. Yucca was actually founded back in 2019, and it was founded by you know young uh, queer people of color that had just gone through. Um, up in Santa Fe, we have what's called at at our organization, our mother organization, Earth Care. Every summer, they host what's called the El Puente Summer Leadership Academy. And it's really like a crash course into community organizing and, you know, the work that we do on the ground when it comes to, you know, identifying these issues in communities and then, you know, speaking, bringing young people to the table to speak to those issues and, and really advocate for the solutions that we seek. Um, so coming out of, you know, that summer leadership institute, these young people um, saw Yucca is 
you know, the appropriate response to the big um, momentum that was building around climate at the time. So there was a um, big call out for um, the September climate strike back in 2019. And that's where millions of young people across the world took to the streets um, to, you know, put pressure on elected officials um, to act boldly on climate. And Yucca was really, you know, our community here in northern New Mexico's response to that call. And so, you know, we really we came together around some founding demands that are very specific things like a just transition fund. And I think that's something that kind of sets uh, Yucca aside from other climate groups here in New Mexico is really calling on the fossil fuel industry to be held accountable and put their revenue into, you know, the planning, research and impl implementation that's going to be needed to, you know, mitigate this crisis. Um, some of our other founding demands are a fracking moratorium to protect our precious water and health, pass 100% renewable legislation to achieve carbon neutrality no later than 2030. And so, you know, when these demands were first delivered to Governor Lujan Grisham, was in 2019 and we had 11 years to make that happen specific 100% renewables demand and now we're here in uh, 2030 um the clock is still ticking and we haven't made action on that and it's really disheartening to see um but one of the demands that we did see one of our founding demands that has been answered is uh community solar legislation and so you know we've been involved in the rulemaking and we're actually really excited to see that roll out across the state I myself am uh, potentially will be one of the beneficiaries and that's really exciting um that you know really like everyday people um like like us will be able to benefit from this legislation and to see like that process of like going to the roundhouse advocating for this getting it passed and now like seeing it play out is really cool um but yeah those are some of our founding demands we also do um some political and, and electoral work uh, we have a c4 side of our organization um and you know that work is also really specific and we have another set of demands that's more specific to like our elected officials calling on new mexico's elected officials to not take fossil fuel or utility money to sign on to the equitable and just climate platform and to sign on and advocate for the green new deal um and you know we see we have quite a few climate champions here in the state and luckily um you know we're very fortunate to be allied with them in, in the legislature and uh, hopefully be able to bring meaningful climate solutions uh, come uh, this 2024 session that's amazing. Well, firstly, thank you so much for that background on Yucca and a little bit more information on, you know, your guys' mission and all the things you guys are doing. But also thank you. I mean, I know obviously you guys have been doing this work for a long time and you guys are super strategic and dedicated to making that change happen. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, I know in September, Yucca attended a march against the use of fossil fuels in New York City. So some of Yucca members, including yourself, were there and were able to attend. So can you tell us a little bit more about this historic event? It was the March to End Fossil Fuels, and it was actually to kick off New York Climate Week. Um, and so Climate Week is a week of actions put on by local organizers in New York City to really build the momentum and the pressure leading up to the start of the United Nations General Assembly uh, Climate Conference. And so... We went to New York. Um, it was a mass call out by over 300 organizations. Um, and it was actually really cool. We were able to attend with um, over 50 New Mexicans from a broad coalition of like frontline groups right here in the state. Um, and, and yeah, we went uh, to carry a message um, that New Mexico refuses to stand by and be a sacrifice zone for the energy production of the rest of the country um, at the expense of our land and our health. 
um, and also, you know, at the hands of these executives who are making these behind the door decisions in these tall office buildings in New York City. Um, so, you know, we actually had a hand painted uh, 18 foot long banner that said uh, Biden and MLG climate action now, you know, New Mexico is burning and, and we had, uh, you know, actual like uh, painted on you know Mexico on fire um, and so really taking these messages to not only like I mentioned the the corporate elites that are you know writing New Mexico off some of them you know obviously don't live here have never even been here um, but are making these decisions on our behalf in these office buildings um, but also to elected officials like President Biden and and worldwide officials that were uh, arriving into New York City for the General Assembly um, so yeah so that was um, the march to end fossil fuels really amazing and it was awesome to be in attendance. I know that uh, some of the first press releases were that they were expecting 25,000 people to attend. Um, but after uh, everyone was in the streets and we were like, you know, after the action had finished, a lot of the press was reporting that there were upwards of 70,000 people in attendance, uh, which is really crazy. The local organizers made it a point to put communities of color uh, at the front of the march, we didn't had really no um, notion of how large it was because we there were there were groups in front of us. We were kind of like in the middle or in the back of like the front, but definitely uh, ahead of the tens of thousands of people behind us. You know, all of these indigenous communities really did carry similar and same messaging around. You know, our communities are on the front line of this extraction, and we refuse to continue to be used as bargaining chips or written off as sacrifice zones. You know, we're taking these messages directly to these people that are making those decisions in New York City and and arriving into town for um for like I mentioned the United Nations Assembly on Climate. We attended several actions the days that we were in New York City. That was really powerful to see, and and there were definitely you know really powerful speakers that you know really brought home the message of of calling on Biden to to use his executive authority to end fossil fuel production, and that's something that the President of the United States is singularly positioned to do and something that he could do and, and you know, really turn our country into a leader in that transition and into a, a country that, you know, really advocates and, and believes in the protection and preservation of land and not just the extraction and the profiteering off of, of what these resources can bring us. So yeah, it was really amazing to be there and to be there alongside, you know, my indigenous brothers and sisters from, from frontline communities here in New Mexico. I think that was definitely one of the most powerful experiences I've had recently. That's incredible and so powerful that you said upwards of 300 organizations were able to gather there and join each other to bring such a such a positive and I think really strong attention to the issues that you guys are each working on. And I didn't know that there was like upwards of 70,000 people there, which I think is absolutely, that's just crazy. And so um, I'm glad that, you know, you guys were able to be out there and New Mexico was represented in that space. So I wanna next ask, why is it important to end the use of fossil fuels? And also more specifically, how do fossil fuels affect marginalized communities? So, you know, at the heart of the climate crisis is, is the use of fossil fuels. And, and that's because they release greenhouse gases. Um, usually what we're talking about is CO2, carbon dioxide, um, but also there are other, you know, more potent greenhouse gases like methane. Um, and when I say greenhouse gas, you know, that really refers to this effect that it has when it's released into the atmosphere, that instead of allowing the heat from the sun hitting the earth, the sun, this natural cycle of, of how those, the earth heats up, instead of, you know, the natural process of it dissipating in the oceans and the atmosphere, 
that greenhouse gas actually acts as like an insulator and keeps it from from dissipating and, and keeps it warm. The more greenhouse gases that we admit into our atmosphere, the more heat that our planet is going to retain from that cycle. That has all sorts of devastating consequences for ecosystems across the globe. Um, we're already seeing massive sea level rise, a mass extinction of ocean life in our in our coral reefs that is really devastating to see. And this is a direct result of, of this acidification of our oceans that is happening because of how warm they're getting. And in you know places like New Mexico and across the world, we're seeing uh, heightened fire risks. We've had some of the worst fires in state history have been in the past 20 years. I was looking at uh, some of the numbers just a couple of weeks ago, and in you know in the the worst fire in state history, the uh, fire that we had just a couple of years ago, the Hermit's Peak fire, more land was burned than like all of the past 10 wildfires combined. It was absolutely devastating, and and to go to these communities now and see you know the devastation, some of these forests may never grow back. And it's also causing issues where, you know, now there isn't the the vegetation to control the water flow when it rains. And so we're seeing like mass level flooding in, in these places that have already been devastated by wildfire as well. That's just here in New Mexico and across the world, we're seeing the effects of global warming um, being heightened from heat waves that we've seen in the Midwest this summer, um, the uh, massive typhoons and hurricanes that we've seen in the past few seasons. We see this and, and science is very clear when it says this is a direct consequence of human activity and, and that human activity is overwhelmingly fossil fuel emissions. And so, you know, that's why that's at the core of the climate crisis and why we need to phase out fossil fuels because they are quite literally killing us. There's a multitude of different ways actually that, that fossil fuel extraction impacts marginalized communities. Um, I'll start with actually workers. Far too often we're seeing, you know, the overwhelming majority in these oil fields are not only people of color, but they're also immigrants. And that's intentional because the corporations know that these people that have come here seeking a better life ultimately will not be protected by our laws because of, of the ways that they arrived here. Um, and so we see large levels of, of um, workplace malpractice happening in the oil fields. Um, and there isn't a lot of reporting on it because, like I mentioned, um, it's very intentional that there are very marginalized and vulnerable people working these jobs. Um, and that's, you know, that's one side of it. It's also, you know, the environmental racism behind it where we see these, you know, large level production sites are being put up right against communities of color and in poor communities, communities that historically have been disenfranchised and already written off as basically, you know, a sacrifice zone. I think some of the the prime examples of that are like the Dakota Access Pipeline, where the corporation behind Dapple could have very easily chosen to reroute the pipeline. But after even after the mass protests and, and the actions that we saw against that pipeline that has already leaked several times, um, the corporation just, you know, st was steadfast in putting it directly through uh, the indigenous community of, of the Lakota Sioux up there in in the uh, in North and South Dakota. Um, and, and there's so many other examples um, here locally as well, not directly tied to fossil fuels, but when we also talk about um, false solutions and um, the dangers of say like nuclear energy, um, that's something that Yucca doesn't see as renewable and doesn't see as a solution to this crisis um, because communities like mine back home in Laguna we know, you know, the direct consequences of uranium extraction and, and what that does to our land and our waters um, and, and how, you know, once again, the workers are impacted. 
Um, so, you know, those are the ways in which I see it really, you know, directly impacting marginalized communities. Um, but there, I'm sure that there's a lot that I missed as well, because there it's, it's so layered in the ways in which, I mean, like everything, like our houses, like everything boils down to, to, you know, this like economic status and, and far too often we see poor communities and communities of color written off. And like I said, seen as sacrifice zones. And I think another great example, um, is, you know, back home in Albuquerque, um, you really see, uh, the concentration of industry down in like the South Valley, um, is really blatant as well. And how we have so many different toxic production sites just lined up right next to each other. One of those sites was just on fire and, and had a massive, uh, burning of toxic chemicals that, you know, went all over the city, just ahead of balloon fiesta. We see communities of color far too often just at the forefronts of bearing the brunt of these man-made disasters. I mean, it's devastating to hear how, you know, I think a lot of people often feel like the climate crisis and direct issues pertaining to climate change and obviously fossil fuels is so distant where it feels removed from them. Um, but I think just being in New Mexico and really just being alive in this moment, it's so important to acknowledge that communities, including our own, are really being devastated. And so thank you for all of those specific examples because I know some of the things I didn't even know about that were happening here in Albuquerque. So I appreciate that information. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it just shows why action is needed right now and why Yucca and the work that you guys are doing is so important. Yeah, totally, thank you. I'd recommend to you guys and to, to anyone who's interested, we would uh, we'd be able to coordinate going on a, a fracking reality tour of the state and really seeing firsthand these communities that are being impacted by extraction, you know, where where children and their and their schools and their their playgrounds are just just meters and you know just tens of feet away from from these toxic wells that are extracting every single day, um, and and are also you know spilling. There's there's constant spills from from these fracking sites, um, and and really take in the fact that billions of dollars have been extracted from these communities. You go out to, to Counselor New Mexico, over a billion dollars has been extracted from that community. And go see how our relatives are living and ask, you know, has that money actually improved our, our community here? Has that actually made its way back to the people who have sacrificed their land, who to the people who are working these fields, and, you know, really to the people that are are powering this country? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that'd be amazing. I think it's important for people, especially if you live here, to understand what things are happening um, to our community and to communities that maybe you don't feel quite as a part of, but are still in New Mexico. So yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing. My next question is, how can people become involved in bettering the environment within their community? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think you know, my answer is always going to be to just to just get involved in in any organization. Um, or if you you know you start joining organizations and you find that you know none of them are are quite quite for you, you can start your own, and that's definitely something we support as well. That's something that I've done in the past. Um, and you know, I think that everyone really has a place in movement work, whether it's you know what you guys are doing in terms of you know this media justice work. Or it's you know what Yucca is doing in terms of on the ground, or even you know we need people doing childcare and people like feeding us, and so everybody you know there's always a place for everybody, and so you know get out into your community, find an organization that is you know aligned with your values and is doing work that you see is important and impactful, and then and do what you can, and you know we all know that we're living and surviving in this capitalist society that 
demands so much of us. So we don't expect you to go pour your entire life into an organization, but find what's doable for you and, and make those commitments to showing up. I think that's so powerful, you know, that everyone has a place in community organizations and in this, this sort of work. And so, yeah, I mean, I think even for myself, I'm like, I can get more involved. Everyone can get more involved by just, you know, finding spaces, finding outlets, finding organizations that are doing the work and just joining in. <laughs> so where can listeners go to learn more about Yucca? Yeah, so we are on basically all of your favorite social medias. Um, our Instagram is going to be yucca y-u-c-c-a dot n-m um and then our facebook is yucca action and our website is going to be yucca nm.org awesome thank you so much lastly is there anything else you would like to add yeah i would um i would add that you know we were also really fortunate to participate in uh actions that were also part of climate week um our second day in new york we were a part of uh, thousands of young people uh, that marched on Wall Street and actually um, blockaded the entrance of the Federal Reserve and called on the Fed to end fossil financing. And once again, called on President Biden, who had just arrived into town, to use his executive authority to end fossil financing and the production of fossil fuels. And in that action and that blockade, there were actually over 120 youth climate activists arrested. And that was the largest climate civil disobedience in almost 10 years. Um, so it was really, really awesome to be a part of that. And then the following day, uh, our last day in New York City, um, we uh, the New Mexico delegation actually put on an action at a Blackstone investment firm, uh, which are some of the primary holding, uh, primary like holders and investors of Tallgrass Energy, um, which are you know which is one of the corporations that is really pursuing hydrogen production here in New Mexico, as well as uh, an over two hundred mile pipeline through the state. Um, so really, you know, again, taking our message directly to these people that are, you know, writing off and making decisions on our behalf and, and negative decisions that are going to negatively impact our communities. And so taking these messages directly to them um, in several different places uh, to make sure that they knew that New Mexico, you know, doesn't consent to being a, a sacrifice zone for the rest of the country. And we've already, you know, we've already paid our share. We've done what we've done for so many years. You know, the oil and gas industry has held reign here for almost 100 years now. The Oil and Gas Act that regulates that industry has not been updated in the 100 years that they've been here. They're still operating on, on 19, 1900 regulations. Um, and, and, you know, we've, like I said, we've really, we've done what we can, and it's time for us to really lead the transition away from that abusive relationship uh, with energy production and, and transition and transform it into something uh, that is more sustainable and also impacts everyone in in better ways with lower utility costs and you know lower costs of living and at the at the top of that is just you know being healthy and not having to suffer from air pollution you know albuquerque has some of the worst air pollution anywhere in the country um and you know same with the, our water and and everything that goes is affected by oil and gas extraction thank you so much jonathan for you being here today for you sharing your experiences and why you're so dedicated to this work, but also Yucca and your guys' mission. Um, thank you so much for just giving that background on situations that have happened here in New Mexico that are happening nationally across the globe. 
it's really just a testament as to why we each need to pay more attention to what's happening and get involved because communities are being devastated. These are people's lives. These are people's well-beings. And so I think it's it's awful what's happening right now, especially the fact that there hasn't been enough action um, or any in some cases. And so thank you so much for the work that you are doing, the work that Yucca is doing. It's powerful to hear about, you know, just like a month ago, you guys were out there marching. There's just so much I can tell passion and love and care for the work that you guys are doing. Um, and so thank you. And thank you for being here and just talking about your experiences with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me and, and giving me this platform to to share those stories about our travels to New York and, and, uh, and you know, those amazing experiences that we got to have. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Gian Ramirez. Thank you, Jonathan, for sharing so much about your work and the change you are very passionate about putting into action. Yours and Yucca's work is very important, especially with the climate crisis we are facing and have been facing for quite some time. The march to end fossil fuels was so powerful to hear about. So thank you for what you were doing for the betterment of our beautiful land, climate, and people. Thank you, Jonathan, for sharing all this great information and the work you and Yaka do. I thought it was amazing seeing how many people attended the march to end fossil fuels. This next song is called Tell Me How Long by Kristen Bell. This is a song that focuses on the impacts of climate change. I was just born, I was just born. I've been crawling till I learned to walk. What are some of the resources that the University of New Mexico offers to its students? Well, Audi, UNM offers many, one of which we are joined by tonight, UNM Student Health and Counseling. Leslie McKinney, Director of Counseling Services, and Benjamin Ferguson, the Student Wellness Supervisor at SHAC, have a conversation with us about the center, the services they offer, who is eligible, and how you can get involved. Here's G.J. Sand Dixon speaking with Leslie McKinney and Benjamin Ferguson. This is Zan Dixon with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Leslie McKinney, Director of Counseling Services at the Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. She is a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology and one in Psychology, a Master's in Counseling, and a Master's in Healthcare Administration from the University of New Mexico. And Benjamin Ferguson, the Student Wellness Supervisor at SHAC. He has a Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Science. Benjamin has also been in a UNM employee for a combined nine years. Leslie and Benjamin, welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks for having me, Zan. Thank you so much. Um, can you guys tell us just a little bit more about yourselves and your roles at SHAC? I am the Director of Counseling Services here at SHAC, which means that I oversee the team of counselors, social workers, and psychologists here at SHAC and support our um, any student that walks in needing urgent care and also help direct and support different programming around the campus as well. Yeah, and um, I am the student wellness supervisor here at SHAC. Um, uh, we do a lot of health promotion, whether it be educational outreach, um, resource outreach. We do a lot of collaboration with a bunch of different resource centers here on campus. Our primary focuses are on physical health, mental health, and sexual health. And so we try and offer a, a variety of different uh, educational opportunities for students throughout the 
uh, semester and throughout the year. And we do a lot of marketing, mainly social media, um, promo emails, those types of things to make sure students are, are aware of where we're at and what other resources are available for them. All right. Can you guys give us like a little bit more details about like what resources you guys provide? Yeah, I, Shack is actually a really unique facility. We offer a lot of different resources. So um, we can do everything from same day appointments for medical mental health um, support. So people can walk in and ask for some support. It's a little bit of a triage process. So sometimes there's a little waiting depending on what, who's, who's waiting to get care. We have um, an on-site lab. We have general practitioners to support physical health. We have a pharmacy. We have an on-site counseling team. So we can support um, just one-time appointments, which we call an OAT. That's a one-at-a-time, um, one-time appointment. Or we can do um, episodes of care, depending on what somebody needs. We also have psychotherapy groups. ADHD testing, psychiatry, physical therapy, we have massage therapy, acupuncture, we have an allergy and immunization clinic and a travel clinic that can also support advising people with what might be um, help, helpful protective measures when they're traveling. I mean, we have, of course, like our, all of our health promotions team that does all of our preventative health education. I think you nailed all of it. Yeah, I mean, we do. It's really cool. I mean, we really do a lot. Oh, we do x-rays too. That's the wild card. We do x-rays. So if somebody has a broken bone or we've got some concern about that, we can actually do an on-site x-ray. That's really awesome. There's so many like great facilities that I think um, a lot of students at UNM just don't take advantage of. Um, so thanks. Um, who is actually eligible for uh, Shack services? Because I know there's also like a lot of non-student listeners yeah, so most of our SHAC services are, um, all of our SHAC services, of course, because we're a student health center, are geared towards supporting our student population. So any of our services are accessible to um, actively enrolled students at UNM. We do have like the pharmacy and A&I and the travel clinic that can support staff as well. Um, so we do have a couple of things that people can access actively enrolled uh, students at UNM. For uh, actively enrolled students, is there also any like specificities with insurance? If you have insurance, that's cool. We can use that. Um, that can offset some different lab costs um, if you need prescriptions or things like that. Um, you don't have to have insurance to access Care at Shack. We really try our best to help inform that process and all of those um, pieces of information about costs and what to anticipate are really transparently put on our website. Is there anything else you would like uh, every UNM student to like know about Shack? We try and be as proactive as we possibly can to make sure the students are aware that A, that we actually exist, right? So uh, when we, you all first reached out to us, uh, you know, it was more to get more information about what is Shack, what do we have to offer? And so we do a lot of that outreach. We want to make sure students are aware that there is this awesome service that's available for them. And we want to make sure they understand like what all entails about the benefits of coming to Shack as opposed to going to UNMH or Presbyterian, Loveless, whatever the other local hospitals are around here. So it's creating that awareness as well. And we want, you can see us, especially myself and uh, our team, we try and be outside of the building as much as we can so that we can interact with more students. We want to be a face that students feel comfortable relying on to be able to get them the right information regarding Shack and what the services are. So 
if you want to come find us, our, our next big event is on October 17th in the sub. Just come by and say hi, just so that you get a familiar face. Um, that way, you if you ever have any questions or anything, whether it be you know next week or the next semester, um, you have an identifiable face that they can come see us. So that's what we want to make sure that students are aware is we want to be out there um, interacting with students just to get a get a vibe for how they're feeling, what they're thinking, those types of things. And our biggest goal in our department is to build relationships with students so that they have people that they can um, identify and be able to go and talk to about anything that they might need. What was the um, event you said that was next week? Yeah, October 17th. It's, um, what was it, Nothing Scary About Mental Health. Um, and uh, Leslie and, and, and a couple of her uh, counselors will be out with us. And it's just an awesome opportunity for students to meet some of the counseling staff that we have here in Shack. It's also an opportunity to meet us, but you can come in and build your own self-care kit. Uh, we'll have information about of what these different pieces in the self-care kit and how it can help you. Specifically, like a sleep mask may help you sleep a little bit better. Uh, and how does sleep affect your mental health? Um, we'll have a bunch of different, those types of things that'll be available for students. And uh, it's going to be an awesome event to be able to help students uh, uh, navigate college and all the stresses that come with it. And so, uh, yeah, October 17th in the sub, in the sub atrium, uh, come check us out. It'll be an awesome event. That's exciting. Um, definitely agree with the message and I'll make sure I'm there. Uh, what do you guys think is the greatest need within the student population at UNM? I think there's a couple of things. I think um, accessibility of healthcare, so physical and mental healthcare. And then I think also beyond that, something that we do support students in is accessing um, basic needs, making sure that we have as low barrier access to all of those things is really critical. Something that's kind of a caveat to all of that is how to actually access all of those things. Um, not everybody gets the opportunity or has that modeling or demonstration of how to actually access healthcare effectively to get their needs met, make appointments, do follow-up care, what to expect. You know, there's some amount of like supporting students in, in doing that, accessing healthcare that I think is that right now particularly interesting conundrum I'm seeing some students struggle with is finding their way of like, what do I even need? <laughs> Um, it's kind of a common question. We hear a lot of students come in being like, I don't know what I need, but I know I, I can tell I need something. And so that's something we, we've actually been talking a lot about that, about how do we support students in learning how to navigate that. That's very relatable. <laughs> um, quite, a, quite a bit of times. So, um, anything uh, you'd like to add, Benjamin? Yeah, just creating the awareness. We have so many great resource centers here that are available for students. Um, shout out Women's Resource Center, Global Respect. All of our wonderful um, very student orgs are, are awesome at being able to interact on a more similar basis than what either Leslie or I can interact with. I'm up there in age and stuff, so I'm trying to learn how to relate to y'all and, and everything. So um, having these wonderful student orgs are awesome uh, resources for students. And so trying to create an environment where it's inviting and, and getting um, students to just be aware of these different resource centers. Of course, we want students to come see us, but there's a lot of other great places here on this campus that really want to help students. And that's where we a lot of the collaboration efforts come in, uh, come in part. But we want to make sure that students can find a place that they identify with and that they feel comfortable and safe 
Um, and that's what we really want to make sure students are aware of. And hopefully that can give them some modicum of, of peace and, and maybe of relief of just the, you know, the stresses that y'all have to deal with. Um, and so we certainly want to be one of those resources, but there's a lot of great things here on this campus that want to help students. Um, you know, actually, uh, shout out APEC. Um, yeah, my mom runs APEC, so yeah, shout out APEC. Um, yeah. Can you remind us where you are located and where people can find more information about Shack? Yeah, go to shack.unm.edu, S-H-A-C.unm.edu. Go please check out our Instagram page. It's uh, UNM underscore Shack. That's where we do a lot of our social media. So go check us out there. Leslie was on our podcast that we just had. Our podcast is um, Honest Tea with Shaq HP, and it's Leslie talking a little bit more in depth about the counseling services that we have available here at Shaq, talking about uh, why therapy is weird and how uh, it can be a little scary at times, but it's a really cool um, uh, interview that we got to do with her. So go check out that uh, podcast that's on, on Amazon and on iTunes. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, just finishing up, is there anything else you guys would like to add? I just, the the thing that I really want and really hope people take away from this um, conversation is that people at Shack like we really care about what we do. People come here specifically because they like working with students and supporting students to thrive as best they can, given whatever unique challenges they face so that they can access the education that they have every right to. We work really hard to to support that and to do our best to offset our students having to interact with a really pricey, um, complex healthcare system outside of that. We also really value feedback, like the good, the bad, the neutral, the whatever. All of that is helpful for us um, to know what's working or not working. And, you know, we really do see ourselves in service to students. And yeah, I just hope, hope that's, that's a takeaway and that we're here for you to help you figure it out. Yeah, a student wellness is a bunch of combination of a bunch of different things. It's not any one specific thing, whether it be mental health, physical health, sexual health, financial health, those types of things. They they need to stay in balance with each other. And we want to be a resource for students to be able to help them figure out, like, how can I fix a specific thing? Or how can I take um, a little bit of ownership to be able to address a certain issue that they may be dealing with, whether it be those various topics, physical, mental, sexual health, whatever those are. Be on the lookout for, for us. We want to make sure students are aware of like what we have to offer. And we offer a lot of tremendous um, educational opportunities. So uh, be on the lookout for us. And we want to help our, like Leslie said, we our priorities, UNM students. We want to make sure y'all are taken care of. Thanks so much. I've actually learned a lot from this. Uh... I personally, I need to really take advantage a lot more of like the resource centers and Shack as well as like everything else. Um, so I think this is encouraging me to do so. Uh, thank you, Leslie and Benjamin for Generation Justice. I'm Zan Dixon. Thank you, Leslie and Benjamin for sharing this important information about services offered to students at UNM. And thank you for all the work you both do. I want to thank you, Leslie and Benjamin for joining us and telling us so much about Shack. As a UNM student myself, I feel like I don't know about or take advantage of Shack nearly as much as I should. And that's because I've been so unsure of what resources Shack offers to students. But because I have a much better understanding of your resources now, I will definitely be sure to use them to better my health and my time at UNM. Here is The Pretender by the Foo Fighters, selected by our guest, Benjamin Ferguson. 
and Keep Moving by Jungle from Leslie McKinney. Tonight, I'm so excited to share with you some of the wonderful events happening in New Mexico this week. I am excited to hear about them. What are we looking forward to this week? The first event is an exhibit by the Sage Creek Gallery called Inspired by History and Land. This is a collection of representational and traditional fine arts that encapsulates the enchantment and raw beauty of the West. The exhibition will run until November 10th, Monday through Sunday from 10 a.m to 5 p.m. at the Sage Creek Gallery in Santa Fe. To learn more about this beautiful art exhibit, you can go to sagecreekgallery.com contact. That's sagecreekgallery.com contact. We are excited to share about Solidarity Now. This is a traveling exhibition that illuminates the Poor People's Campaign, organized by Dr. Martin Luther King. The exhibition is now at the New Mexico History Museum and it will run until January 14th of 2024. The Poor People's Campaign focused on poverty as a human rights issue. The entrance of the exhibit features photos of New Mexicans who participated in these protests. Much of the photography was done by Maria Varela, who is the only Latina photographer embedded in the campaign. If you would like to learn more about this event, you can go to nmhistorymuseum.org. That's nmhistorymuseum.org and click on the Exhibitions tab. The Doña Ana Arts Council is having a Renaissance Art Fair on November 4th and 5th. This Renaissance Art Fair has opportunities for artists to sell their artwork and put on live theater. There will be dancing, live music, and more. This year, they're asking artists, participants, and food vendors to decorate their booths in Renaissance or multicultural themes to celebrate the beautiful diversity of humankind. They're also looking to showcase local talent. It is taking place at 1905 East Nevada Street in Las Cruces. For more information about timing and showcasing your art in this fair, you can email admin at daarts.org. That's admin at daarts.org. You can also call 575-523-6403. That's 575-523-6403. On Friday, November 3rd, EH Modeling Agency and Academy is hosting a fashion show of Catrinas, 
a night of drama and fantasy inspired by the Mexican cultural character, La Catrina. There will be Mexican food, acting, modeling, and more. This event is taking place at Valle de Luna Event Center at 5401 Central Avenue Northwest. For more information, you can contact EH Modeling Agency and Academy on Facebook. We hope that these events piqued your interest in getting involved with your community. Tune in next week for more events happening in your community. This is Vaccine Equity. That's right. Tonight, we'd like to share with you about the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine option that was approved by the FDA on October 3rd, 2023. Yes, Adi, can you tell us a little bit more about this vaccine? Yes, absolutely. The Novavax COVID-19 vaccine was adjuvanted to include the spike protein from the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant and XBB.1.5 and has become available to those 12 and older as a new vaccine option. Individuals who were previously vaccinated with one of the monovalent or the bivalent original or Omicron BA4 or BA5 COVID vaccines can now receive one dose of the 2023 to 2024 formula of the Novavax COVID vaccine. And those who have not previously been vaccinated with any COVID-19 vaccine are eligible to receive two doses of the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine, administered at least three weeks apart. In addition to Novavax, Pfizer and Moderna also have an updated 2023 to 2024 formula. To learn more about U.S.-approved COVID vaccines, you can visit FDA.gov. Again, that's FDA.gov. We want to bring to your attention that the widespread use of COVID-19 testing has unfortunately led to significant amounts of waste worldwide. That's right. As you take at-home COVID tests, we encourage you to keep our environment in mind. That being said, there are several ways you can recycle COVID testing kits. You can opt for biodegradable swabs, or you could clean and sanitize the vials and containers. Because they're often made of plastic, many local recycling programs will accept them. You could also recycle the boxes the testing kits are shipped or held in. Keep in mind that many of the swabs, containers, and boxes are reusable as long as they are properly sanitized in order to avoid additional spread of sickness. And that's all for Vaccine Equity this week. Tune in next Sunday for more COVID-19 safety and updates. We hope you have enjoyed this hour of community action. We would like to thank our guests, Leslie McKinney and Benjamin Ferguson from Shack, and Jonathan Juarez from Yaka. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberto Rayel and Barbara Ramirez with production assistance from Asunandita Santanam, myself, Ariana Cordova, and thank you to our interviewers, Sam Dixon and Gianna Ramirez. We want to give a big shout out to all the youth producers we could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. 
We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau through the Better Together Coalition, and the McCune Foundation. As well as Media Justice, the Santa Fe Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. I am Ariana Cordova. And I am Luis Arado. Coming up on KUNF is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 p.m. Good night, New Mexico.